0: Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light Tweets drop dead yet again. Vegan raw food influencer dies. LeBron James Equity School is literally failing. Megan Rapinoe mocked as she misses a goal by darn near 30 feet at the Women's World Cup. Babylon B. roasts Megan Rapinoe. Democrat New York Mayor Eric Adams is requesting Biden to secure the border. Will he be called racist? Probably not. Fifth Circuit Court strikes down the ATF pistol brace ban. Walmart expanding into in-store ads. Uber reaches the first operating profit. Ad revenue is slowly starting to come back. Lotus sold a mere less than 1,000 cars in 2022, and Peloton tells people to keep paying even though they're going through a recall. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder release twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He- he's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner and assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Walmart saying they're going to expand their in-store ad strategy. Now, it's actually enough It looks like they report that 139 million people visit their store, web, and app per week. So that's quite a high volume of foot traffic, or eye traffic if you're just using your eyeballs on the app. And as many, many, many stores trying to figure out how to increase our profit margins, with Walmart and grocery stores being pretty rough. Grocery stores on average, they make about 2% profit. That's the industry stand for grocery stores, which is why if you read the newspaper, or more accurately, look at the internet these days, or the Twitter, or the TikTok, or whatever you like to use, you really don't hear news about a grocery store startup. All the grocery stores most people shop at—they've been around for decades upon decades. So it'll be, it's no surprise that a lot of them are not really coming out of the woodwork in terms of a new venture. So the current ones—they're trying to think how can we differentiate ourselves, not just from the competition. How can we also bring new products more profit margins? But how could we increase just our ad revenue, which, rudimentary speaking, is almost like free money for them. They don't have to go out and buy digital resources. They have resources on site to actually have that. So in terms of their network, it looks like they reportedly have 170,000 digital, digital screens. And those screens can be used by advertisers, including they're saying they could have maybe a 30-second in-store radio spots. As other methods of advertising in the store. Now, I believe this also includes their point-of-sale checkout system, which, interestingly enough, I have noticed at a couple of gas stations when you're gassing up your vehicle, premium gas ideally, or use whatever your car says. Don't do that in a diesel. That'd be a business blunder, or perhaps for you a personal blunder. But you actually see a little advertisement, and a video playing on the screen while you're pumping gas. Now, in terms of advertising, that's pretty brilliant because the user is stuck there usually. Let's they actually go inside and go to the facilities while the car is being gassed up, which I don't recommend because obviously the gas pump is going so people can steal it, stuff can go wrong. But more often than not, the person is stuck there. When you're going to Walmart, you're getting groceries, you're getting clothes, knickknacks that you might need. Maybe you need some printer paper. There's a lot of miscellaneous stuff to facilitate most people's needs. They're already in the store. Why not get some extra money off them in terms of the, customer, the burden against the customer I don't think it'll be too frustrating. Personally, I usually just use my little ear, um, little headphones so I just listen to a podcast. Ideally, this podcast, although, always look for room for improvement. If you take time to subscribe and comment, all the feedback is greatly appreciated. So, listen to any podcast, but I recommend this one, personally. So, the in-store ads really, really bother me because I really can't hear much to begin with. In terms of the screens, you can go by the electronics department at Walmart, and of course, they have a whole wall of TVs to get your eyeballs glued to them. I don't know how actually effective that might be. So if an advertiser is looking for a very direct return on investment, I don't know if that's going to be a use case. Like, if, I don't think it would be a good idea if you have someone like GM have a Chevrolet commercial to show off the latest business blunder that they create or develop, like the four-door EV Camaro, which will be coming out next year, apparently. Perhaps it might make more sense to advertise directly to the products that are already in the store. So maybe Hewlett Packard might advertise, you know, an extra 10% off a laptop that's on one of the displays. That might be, that would perhaps be a more effective use of advertising dollars. And nevertheless, it's basically free money from Walmart. The monitor's already there, the infrastructure's there. The only thing they might have to worry about is the network capabilities in terms of the bandwidth and how much data they can pump through. So in terms of business brilliance, that might have to be, uh, might have to have that special part of the podcast where we talk about that. But this seems like a good idea so they can increase their profit well, I don't expect the associated cost to increase too much. Perhaps a little administration work, of course, to facilitate the organization, the purchasing, or rather the sale of the advertisements and coordination of all that. But that seems like a pretty good business idea. I, sounds like it should be a good expansion. Now, other interesting business news: you have Uber reaching their first operating profit. Finally, which you see this with a lot of big tech companies. Really, when you start everything from Facebook to Twitter to Amazon, you have many years where you just bleed fiscally speaking you're losing money and the whole goal is to gain market share you want to have the greatest number of users which is unfortunately why there's not much of an incentive to get rid of bots on a lot of social media platforms but i digress uber for many years they got one hit they had the biggest market share they want to see how much they can get so it looks like they've just announced their first operating profit and it was 326 million dollars q2 or the fiscal second quarter so that's astonishingly great they actually beat Expectations. So that's even better. And it looks like in terms of their expectations, their net income, that was 394 million instead of the projected loss of forty nine point two million dollars. So anytime you have an exponential that's exponentially greater in terms of making money versus losing money, that's ridiculously good. And everyone on Wall Street, well, I can only ponder what kind of morally vacuous activities many of them are taking part in, but many of them are also probably celebrating at the same time. Now in terms of the driving behind the numbers and why these things have increased, they know that the number of trips and bookings actually increased by 26% this quarter. And they, of course, continue to just really eviscerate the competition. Uber accounts for 74% of all ride-sharing apps. That is exponentially bigger. Now, the their only real other competitor is Lyft, which that one's coming in about 26%. Maybe there's a, and of course with all these statistics, usually a margin of error. So there might be a one or 2% margin of error where you have a third party, I forget the name of it, but there's a, I believe there's a rideshare app in Austin, Texas, because the city actually banned the competition of the Uber at the time. So there, there might be one or two, but in terms of overall sales, they do not com- even compare. Now they're actually doing a lot better fiscally speaking than Lyft because Uber, they actually have Uber Eats, which is where they just deliver your food which makes sense. The infrastructure is already there. All you're doing is adding one or two. Again, I don't mean to disparage people who code for a living. And again, I'm not a, I own a tech company. I'm on the business side of the, the equation, but you could add, you, you just have to add a bunch more lines of code in terms of the concept of, Hey, you have an app on your phone. You tell people what you want, where you want order. It, it's a couple extra steps, not to disservice the people that are doing it, but the concept has been proven. They're just adding the capability. So, it makes sense that they're making a fair amount of money and for some reason Lyft didn't copy that now there's a lot of competition i believe you have uber eats you also have uh favor which is more i believe in south texas you also have doordash postmates and 12 other ones i can't imagine i can't remember because they're not good enough at marketing so there's a lot of competition in the food delivery app but again if you already have that brand association and you already have the uber app on your phone well You already know the brand, you trust them with your credit card already, they have your information. Why not just extra step get Uber Eats? So that was one of the big contributing factors of why they're starting to show profit. It'll be interesting to see how the mass adaptation goes. I astonishingly have some uh, long uh, distance uh, family members where they don't even have a driver's license even though they're of age. They just Uber for everything, which is astonishing that to me, the pinnacle of freedom was getting your driver's license at 16 taking the family car out on the road and having a blast, ideally with three pedals and a stick shift as the pure driving experience requires. But nowadays, the idea of car ownership is actually eluding many people, some people that don't have a visceral reaction because of the high costs associated with some situations where stuff goes wrong with the vehicle. And their logic is, sure, Uber might cost a little bit more in some cases, but they don't have to care about the maintenance, they don't have to care about the insurance, and it's on demand. So they have to worry about parking as well, or gas price. well, they have to worry about gas prices because it's passed on to them, but it's an interesting cultural evolution where some people are just abdicating from car ownership all all entirely. It'll be interesting to see, does that trend continue and do this proliferation of ride-sharing apps continue to grow in their usage? Or as people start to tighten their belt, do they order less things so that they don't have to pay for a $100 burger to be delivered to them, which after all taxes, fees, and all that stuff, It's not just me that how many people still purchase it, even though it's you know forty year hyperinflation, economic uncertainty, and people claim they're worried about it, but they're the spending uh, the spending habits are not correlating with what they're saying at this moment, at least from anecdotal and then some studies I've seen lately. So we'll see where they go from here. Other interesting good businesses you have ad revenue increasing. This, according to a study by Axios, now it cites analysts' optimism about the second half of the year where they believe they can see a market rebound. And more, one market analyst noted a 7.7 second quarter surge in business investment, including a good indicator in the marketing and the ad departments. Now, this is going to be exponentially good for companies like Google and YouTube, where that's where a majority of their revenue comes, even though as they continue to push their YouTube premium app, which if you're a fan of the footballs and the sports balls being thrown, you have to buy brilliantly enough from their perspective because they bought the exclusive distribution rights for the Sunday football shows. So that was a smart business decision because now it gives people a more compelling reason to buy that in addition to skipping the 12 million ads. Perhaps the only benefit of having a non monetized YouTube channel, there's no ads right now. So a little bit of a bonus, so to say. Although I do appreciate you taking time to subscribe because eventually this would be hopefully be a profitable endeavor. We can invest and have better graphics and have some videos pop up on the screen as I'm still trying to evaluate softwares to look at that. And also support your great sponsor, topping technologies if you have IT needs. But I digress. It looks like the ad revenue is starting to increase, which is a reverse, what we're seeing, you know, 2% loss, or not loss, but decrease quarter after quarter. So hopefully they'll be able to turn around. And it is good economically because that is usually one of the things businesses cut first is advertising because in some cases you can't measure it as well as you would like to justify the return on investment from it. So hopefully it'll be a good indicator of the economy increasing, and we'll see. Other interesting business use you have Lotus looking at layoffs because they sold a mere 576 cars in 2022 which for all of manufacturer even a lemonade stand that's piss poor performance now of course they blame a myriad of things including the cliche supply chain which is true in many cases since a lot of the precious metals are coming from uh, different countries you don't work with and they also hold the production of pretty much their best vehicles as well coincidence no I i definitely do not think that They actually completely switched from their development and their concept as a company, and I'll explain. Now, they ended the production of the Elise, the Exige, and the Evora back in 2021. So right now, the only model I believe that they have now is the Emira, which the Emira looks like, and they also have maybe another small EV. So it looks like they're making an EV SUV and an EV, what is this, an EV car, which for Lotus is perhaps the most boring it's a nice way of saying that it's the antithesis of the company embodiment. Now, if you look at the history, it has some great history racing heritage. British racing company. There's a, lot, there's a good a culture, a lot of enthusiasm, enthusiasm and support behind the brand. And in terms of a, a driver vehicle, for the track, I mean, the lowest Elise least is probably the most well-known for the brand, specifically that model. It was a great small car. It had a Toyota engine, so it was bulletproof as all hell. And it had a manual transmission, which for track enthusiasts who really love being one with the vehicle and having that pure unique experience, it's all about having that third pedal, the stick shift. It's one of the reasons why the Mazda Miata continues to be one of the most successful track cars ever. Even though you don't have to have the most amount of horsepower, they have great manufacturer support at Mazda. They, they'll give you pour, uh, parts for a 91 Miata like that. Great support and there's a great race community around it as well. Lotus, We're known for having that small, fun little car. Very low weight. Great weight distribution. And he had a stick shift. And of course, they had the Toyota internal combustion engine. Which, gas engines are more fun. And gives you more unique experience. And again, it's a Toyota engine. It's damn near bulletproof. Those things, a Toyota will hit a million miles and last a quarter of a century. Because their engineering is that good for the internal combustion engine. And then to have Lotus go to an EV, which most tracks don't allow EVs. Now, this isn't because tracks are, have a pejorative view of EVs mostly, or they hate them. It's really a safety issue. Most of these tracks have the technology to put out traditional fires that are caused by a gasoline and internal combustion engine. Even most fire departments across the US aren't yet equipped with additional equipment necessary for a fire caused by a lithium ion battery. Those battery fires are also much more catastrophic. That's why you see when you see a fire with an EV vehicle, that vehicle usually is just toast. And by protocol, a lot of fire departments they just say let it burn, because it's more safe than trying to interve- intervene with a technology that's not equipped to handle the situation. So Lotus, which again was making great track cars, is now making a vehicle that cannot be used on the track. And again, they only sold 576 cars last year, which is abysmal. In terms of the company history, even back in 2021, when there were legitimately more supply chain concerns, they still sold 1,566. So again, ballparking the math, they're selling about a third of what they used to. And again, I don't see that trend going around. If you, With all the technology right now, the best, if you want an EV, the best EV for the track is probably gonna be the Porsche Taycan, which is electric EV, it's an EV. And unlike the Tesla, it doesn't limit you in terms of the usage. If you want to go your fastest you can go zero to 60, it'll let you do it every single time until the battery goes down to zero percent. Tesla, on the opposite hand, they start to limit the car's capabilities because they don't want the, the battery to get to zero. So to Porsche's credit, they did develop a more performance-oriented EV vehicle. Now, that being said, the best performance or best experience you'll ever have is with a Porsche with a stick shift. And unfortunately, it looks like as of their announcement a couple days ago, Going forth, that will be the Porsche 911, which they are committed to still making with the internal combustion engine and three pedals, as every sports car should have. But it's interesting will Lotus change their mind? Toyota still makes a powertrain that they can use. And, but I don't know how many enthusiasts they'll be able to bring back. Perhaps this belongs in the business blunder of the section of the day. Is it enough to bankrupt the company? I mean, they've had financial issues before, and now they're getting from going from a niche, Part of the market where they were known for a sporty british small sporty sporty british car where there really was not a lot of competition in that very niche segment it was a profitable segment mostly when they weren't making bad business decisions but it was a segment that there wasn't a lot of competition if you think of german or uh, rather of british cars if you want a more performance one you're gonna get like, an aston martin which is great because it's v12 and a stick shift, but the cost is also what four times as much and the only other car that's similar to the lotus at least in particular in the category would be the Masa miata which is very different with engineering there's a lot of differences so i think it had a good niche area and now they're trying to go for the masses which in my opinion will dilute the brand it perhaps will be more profitable long term if they able to capture the ev market for those crossovers of their cars but there's also more competition because they are going more mainstream so time shall tell to see how lotus ventures but I don't know, they have the Magic 8 Ball it might just say, Outlook, not so good. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light having more tweets and the birds, precipitously, uh, unfortunately, they died. They, they just fell down and uh, they twitched for a little bit and uh, it, it, they didn't yet not get back up. Now, it looks like their first tweet a couple days ago, involved, there was uh, two. One was someone holding a can on a deck and one was just a word tweet, which... I came up with notice with advertisements, word tweets usually aren't as effective. That's where a company will just tweet a specific words as that might sound as opposed to a video or a visual. Twitter is very good for chat tweets for, I think people and you know individuals because they're more cohesive to conversations. For businesses, it's a little less effective because again, they don't have a lot of time to go after every single comment. and of course, we'll get into what they're doing in the comment sections as well. But nevertheless, they just did their first tweet was, Mood equals football is back this week, which that's not really a mood. That's, that's, a, that's a fact of a schedule. That's a, that's a schedule of the week, but I digress. Their lack of knowledge is not new to the situation. Now, in terms of the coverage that that tweet got, it got 134,000 views. And again, all these metrics are equal, taking about 12 hours precisely after they're tweeted. And the original tweet saying, you know, mood is fo- mood equals football is back this week. it got 134,000 views. And 438 likes, which, again, I know public schools are out of time low for math scores, so we'll do a little math today, do a little bit of calculations. That is 0.32% of people who saw the post liked it or hearted it, whatever term you like to use for clicking that bar, heart button. It might turn to an X with all the different branding they're going around with, but nevertheless, now in terms of the responses that had the most positive outlook, the, one that, the top one was simply a six-pack of Yaling beer, which is a great family-owned brewery still owned in the oldest brewery in the United States, which is a business achievement in and of itself. And that got 5,295 views and 329 likes. So that's a 6.21% ratio of people who saw it versus they liked it. And 6.21 is, again, I know math can be challenging. Let's just say it is infinitely higher than 0.32%. So needless to say, Yelling continues to be the winner from this cultural perspective and sales perspective as well as their sales week after week, or week over week are about 25% greater than the same comparable week last year. But I digress. The second most popular tweet against Twitter for that mood statement was the poll, which these polls are highly entertaining. And that poll was just simply asking, would you rather have football with a Bud Light or a non-Anheuser-Busch Beth property? That poll got 883 votes, and they came in at 95.4% people saying no, Anaheim Bush in bed for me, while the people who said yes, Bud Light, were a mere 4.6% of that 883 votes. Now, granted, it is important to always know your sample size. That's not my personal, that wasn't my account to ask that question. I'll probably start doing that in the future, actually, but we don't know the geography, the age, the gender of the people who... Responded to that poll, so we don't know if that's indicative to the whole of the United States, but it is interesting that their sales just precipit- precipitously decrease week after week, and perhaps has a good sample size of the Twitter audience, which again, that's also another audience in and it of itself. Something to take with a grain of salt, or in this case, perhaps a drop of Bud Light, which might be as acidic as salt. I wouldn't know because I've been protesting them since college. Granted, I'm more of a spirit's man myself, but that's for when the time and occasion calls. Now, the second tweet that immediately got ratioed from Bud Light. That was simply a man holding a Bud Light can, and he was just holding it, and he was just standing on a deck, which I, I, I guess is kind of entertaining. It, it, it was, of course, ratioed in minutes, but it doesn't compel me to purchase the product, and it really doesn't show you the taste or the quality of the product. I mean, perhaps a better commercial would be having someone stand on a case of Bud Light so that you could, or holding a door open, so you'd advertise it as having multiple uses because it could be a door holder, thereby giving you more reasons to buy it, I guess. I'm trying to think of p- p- why you would buy Bud Light now, but I will digress. I'm not in the marketing department, thankfully. And that tweet of them just holding a can of beer on the deck, they got 156,000 views, but only 621 likes. That is 0.039% of people liked it. Now the first, the top response, and again, this was all these metrics are all taken within eleven hours of them tweeting. Now this I checked this morning or a a little while ago, and unfortunately that um, they censored this already. But what used to be the top response to that, which ratioed them again, it was the meme. And if you're watching this as a clip on the YouTube, I'll actually have that meme as the thumbnail. And that meme is the two astronauts, where you have one astronaut looking at the they photoshopped it, says Photoshop so a Bud Light rainbow, and the astronaut behind him, and it said, you know, the quote, the quote was, Wait, Bud is gay? And it goes, comma, and then the southern astronaut goes, always has been, unquote. Which is a very viral situation with the two astronauts where it's been applied to a myriad of cultural situations, and it's gone viral to say the least. Now, that again, this is before Bud Light censored it, within eight hours or sorry, eleven hours again, all the same metrics, that got 9,521 views and 394 likes which is a 4.14 percent of people who viewed it liked it infinitely more than 0.039 which again is an ast- astronomically low that's almost as bad as, well no, no no it is technically better than the odds of winning the lottery that it that in i guess relative to that only does it sound like a good tweet now the second most favorable response in terms of people who responded to the original post by Bud Light was a guy who took the photo that Bud Light tweeted of the guy holding the beer and they simply just put a black hole under it. So it looked like the guy was about to drop the Bud Light into the black hole, which is kind of marketing brilliance because it is f- simple to do in terms of that might have only taken him a minute or two of Photoshop and highly enter- it's entertaining enough for guys to talk about it. And of course social media rewarded him. That post got 6,328 views. And 340 likes giving you a ratio of six point three seven percent likes which again six point three seven is infinitely higher than zero point zero three nine Needless to say Bud Light continues to be the business blunder of the year perhaps we should send them a physical award or accoutrement or a prize in the mail but it is oddly satisfying to see how much engagement there is culturally and all these tweets just immediately getting ratioed now they are definitely starting to censor it increasingly. They used to only censor pictures. So people would have a picture of Alyssa Heiderschild who was a marketing brilliance. She was the uh, marketing gal, self-proclaimed the first female marketing lead at the company on her LinkedIn before she subsequently deleted it. She's the one who said they had a fratty culture in getaway with that even though she drank copious amounts of alcohol through a prophylactic in college, which is a fancy way of saying um, earmuffs if you have kids watching uh, a condom. and. It'd be her sitting above the grave doing a little peace sign where it has her and the gravestone was Anheuser Bush inception date to now, implying that she did kill the brand. Which, yeah, losing $28 billion in stock valuation and hundreds of millions in sales is a fair argument that she did kill the brand, or at least substantially put in on life support in the regard to the specific Bud Light brand. The other Anheuser Bush and Bev properties are decreasing in sales, but they're not as bad as the loss of Bud Light specifically. Nevertheless, it's fascinating to see now they're even censoring comments. So you have a lot of comments people saying like, hell no, I'll we'll never do it again. So you have to actually click the button that shows you what they're hiding. So now that they're hiding a bunch of comments as well, you do see a lot of the people start to of creep up that are moderate to positive towards Bud Light. Now, interestingly enough, they have very few followers. Now, granted, I, can't, I don't have a copious amount of followers as well. I have about 200 followers at N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G, if you want to see my Twitter. But a lot of the people have very, even fewer than that. And they seem to just retweet for any business. And their response when they tweet support for Bud Light, they will get about you know six to seven thousand views, but they'll get like one to two likes, which again is astronomically even worse than the Bud Light original tweet for that ratio. So it is fascinating to see the cultural backlash against Bud Light. They are committed to spending more money than ever before, literally, this summer for advertising. So we're only gonna see this increase in volume. Perhaps not quality, similar to the product, but we will see an ever-increasing volume of Bud Light advertising. Will it shift the culture or the perception of the brand enough to regain those customers? I'm pretty skeptical at this time, but it will be interesting to see where they go from here. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have a vegan raw food influencer dies. So, um, moron, I mean vegan influencer Zahana Zamosova. She died from, of course, starvation and exhaustion. If only there are some type of common sense, logic, or nutritional label facts that would have prevented this. Now of all the ridiculous topics and all the ridiculous things I've heard of for influencers, which I can't they very I can't I find that profession and even calling it a profession is skeptical in and of itself, but of all the topics and things people could be proclaiming, this is perhaps the most useless moronic thing possible. Culture literally just starving yourself of vital nutrients. Again, you don't see a lot of uh, pictures of salads on cave wall paintings. And now, I'm not saying to never eat a carrot. I mean, I like organic beef and I actually eat between 10, no, actually 12 servings of vegetables a day because I blend them up and a little protein powder. It's not not a bad snack or a pre-workout. But yeah, I would say most people can benefit from things like meat, a little bit of dairy, but no, this, this influencer was against it. This gal, and again, if you're watching on YouTube, you see if this is a highlight, you'll see a thumbnail. I'm still looking at I'm looking at different softwares to incorporate the images into this as well, seeing if I can do it either pre or post-production. And again, if you take the time to, to subscribe to the channel, that helps us build and get more resources so we can eventually make those more seamless. So we are valuing that and I appreciate everyone's patience as we get better over time. Now, this vegan influencer apparently lived off of a diet entirely of fruit juices, and sunflower seeds while living in Malaysia. Now, you saw this with Steve Jobs, who, again, he was brilliant from a business perspective. Business brilliance through the wazoo, he invented a whole category that didn't even exist. But he went through a a, a fruit diet, and he lost a lot of weight, not healthily-wise, but eventually he had to start eating real food again. And again, I'm a big fan of... If I had all the money in the world, I would have organic fresh food every day. If I was a millionaire, I'd have that in my, on the counter. But to only have that one food category, we have literally eons of data that says that is not a prudent thing to do. And yet she was eating exact fruits, juices, sometimes. and again, if you look at the pictures, she looks completely deficient of malnutrition and intelligence, but mostly also the lack of mal- any nutritional value. And ironically enough, she was trying to do a bicep pose, and it, it, it was, it, it just just terrible. Now, in terms of talking to the people who knew her, who I was about to say had the privilege of her in her life, I can't imagine she was fun to eat around. Although, don't get me wrong, it is sad when anyone passes. Most people pass. But this is such a, a Darwinism award. Now, it looks like, quote, A few months ago in Sri Lanka, she already looked exhausted with swollen legs and oozing lymph. Unquote. And this is a, according to an unidentified friend, which I wouldn't be surprised since, yeah, no... I don't know how many friends want to, quote, unquote, dunk, or up, which is, I think is a, if you look at every dictionary, I believe it's a pejorative term when you insult someone where they're already down or something like that. However, hopefully in this case, people will see it and they'll be warned, like, for the love of God, do not have this type of diet. Consult your own, consult a doctor, preferably one you trust, and find what's right for you. More often than not, I would recommend a steak or salmon, but that's just me. Now, they also had another quote from another friend that says, quote, they sent her home to seek treatment. However, she ran away again. When I saw her in Phuket, I was horrified, unquote. Or perhaps it's Phuket, P-H-U-K-E-T. A little more exotic than Iowa, so above my pay grade, perhaps. But just, just to show you, her family was also concerned about this. And it obviously was not, was not good for her. I don't know if she's addicted to social media. I mean, it sounds like that was her main job or she's an influencer, but a lot of people become addicted to their shtick or their spiel, so to say. And if only she ate a, like, a steak off camera, I, I can't help but be concerned This also from a cultural perspective, you have social media reinforcing negative behaviors. And if social media was feeding her millions, millions, millions of views for this unhealthy diet, she did not have much of an incentive to stop, especially if that was her only form of income at the time. So it's also concerning from a cultural perspective and technological perspective, what is the AI and what is the algorithms, what are they pushing? It'd be nice if they push this channel but I digress I might be a little biased it's also a point of concern to see you know I always tell people you want to look at the most data possible whether it's political commentary or dietary look at all the sides of the equation because you get the most information you have more informed more informed decision and opinion and it is interesting to see that there are influencers for this category and it did not work out of course so of course I guess the reminder of the day is Consult with a good doctor, a good personal doctor, and make a good diet for yourself. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have LeBron James Equity School failing, failing, literally, the students are getting Fs. Although, they're doing great personally in terms of their personal progression, which, of course, means nothing in terms of the standards every school follows, but we shall dive deep. Now, LeBron James is best known for pretending to read books. I don't think he could read, um... You have all of these interviews where he's holding a book. And it's the most ironic thing. He wanted to start a school and he can't... Can he not read? Or perhaps he just literally challenges a nice way of saying it. But you have this inter- And I think this is a good summary of kind of LeBron James in general. But this is a reporter where they go up to him. He's holding a book about Malcolm X. And it's one of those things where it reminds me of when you're a child in maybe first or second grade... And you didn't read the book, uh, the homework assignment, so you just used the most vague and blanket statements to make it seem like you know what you're talking about. And, of course, anyone with a modicum of intelligence can realize, yeah, the, the, that's BS. You didn't actually read the assignment, did you, Timmy? And if, traditionally, Timmy would feel ashamed, go home and actually do his work and improve. Unfortunately, that's not the society and culture we live in today. But let's uh, look at this funny interaction where he pretends that he pretends like he's reading. Uh, Taylor, you want to follow? So this is a reporter going up to the LeBron James. In terms of again, I'm not a fashion guru, but it is a grown man wearing flip flops, and and he's supposedly in front of a wearing a Lakers T-shirt, and then he's behind some, you know, a back banner that says stuff about the NBA. But to be a billionaire and wearing flip flops in public, I I just find that ghastly. Come on, he's supposed to have class or style, some might say in the fashion industry. Okay. Yeah, um, so you're holding the autobiography of Malcolm X along with... Al- he is holding the book. I, I'm perhaps that's half the battle. Alex Haley, I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago. Um, but um, I've read a lot, of, a lot of notes over the years. It's my first time actually reading this from start to finish. Um, but just a very, um, very smart man. Very, very, very smart man. And basically, um... It sounds like he's describing literally any historical figure. Yeah, I've read read a lot about him throughout the years. Um, Very smart man, very smart. Perhaps as smart as the kids in his school right now. Although we know that's not a fact because Malcolm X actually did have a modicum of intelligence as a civil rights leader. Something that LeBron is completely vacuous of. His words in in the 60s what's going on is actually what's going on today still what that was that, that was english he did speak the english language but do you think he's reading the book i also couldn't help there i didn't see a bookmark again it's not 4k high resolution camera with the interviewer but i've never heard it, it sounded like a child there's no way he's reading that book and it's happened to him multiple times so I can't help with, I'm surprised he doesn't have reading glasses as some people who try to pretend to look smart. And again, you don't have to, it doesn't take much intelligence to read a book. There are different levels of reading in terms of some are more high, have a higher comprehension level. So depending on the age, that's why you have you know all these different categories. You have young adult books. I mean, the Harry Potter series is probably the most popular one. But it just is clear he did not read the book. Now, this is a fascinating thing where LeBron saw an issue where a lot of kids were not succeeding in public schools and he thought this is clearly due to a, you know, kids in disadvantaged situations. So let's start school to help them. Now, in terms of altruism and helping people, that is a good thing. There are many issues with public schools. I agree in that fact. Now, unfortunately, you have to always remember one of the most prolific quotes in history. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's one of the things where I don't believe, I believe, I don't Can't really believe in many political things i actually would agree with lebron james if we were to sit down and have coffee or in his case chinese tea would probably be his choice to drink but i do agree this might be a way to help them now unfortunately his school it is just failing in every metric except the metrics they make up themselves which perhaps is a good good analogy for modern culture and modern society now one of the biggest things i've seen culturally speaking from school, public schools back in the day versus now Back in the day, if you actually had a student who was struggling and they were either performing poorly on the test or they were being disruptive, they were maybe bullying other kids. Now, back in the day, you would actually do something that is, I know this word eludes most Americans these days, but you would punish them. You would put them in timeout, hold them back a year, because again, that is what's best for them long term. Kind of like going to the gym, a phenomenon which eludes most Americans, unfortunately, these days a little bit of hard work every single day, and you will improve yourself, also like reading a book, which, unfortunately, these children, most of them probably can't. But we saw this shift a couple of years back where they no longer hold kids back anymore. They don't even discipline them in most public schools, unfortunately. And it's all because of how might they feel. They'll feel dumb. They won't feel smart if they don't get promoted to the next grade, which also feels into the ever-problematic issue in the United States, which I know is a annoying word in and of itself, but it is sometimes appropriate, where despite merit, despite facts or logic or reason, we're just going to do whatever feels best for people's feelings. We do And it clearly just shows you don't care if they succeed long-term, you just want them to feel good in the short-term. Kind of like giving kids candy every day as a, as a treat. It's not a treat if you have it every single day. You're actually decreasing the value of it because they get so much of it, which of course is, goes into their dietary issues as well. Now... The specific school that they opened over in Akron, Ohio is called I Promise. And in terms of the intentions, it had a couple good ideas. He actually believed it was set up in a way where once they graduate, they get a free scholarship and he's putting some of his money. And then the public school is also subsidizing it as well, which that is a good idea. Texas or you know, better states, they have similar um, programs where if you hit certain GPA test scores, you actually get scholarships to some of the community schools and some of the I believe, some of the state universities as well. So there are similar similar ideas that in other areas have worked before but in this case it looks like unfortunately this experiment is quite a failed one. Now these are through multiple interviewers and it looks like unfortunately 1600 students have attended the school and let me pull up that video back up again. Now this is a Report, I believe, by NBC, and they talk about, it's one of those issues where you notice this a lot, and this is why it's especially important to get your information from multiple media's perspectives, because most of the mainstream media, which I know is a cliche term, but it is pretty accurate in terms of the legacy media that have been around the longest, they have the biggest market share, all of them made this look like the best thing since sliced bread, which... Interestingly enough, I don't I wonder how many Americans slice their own bread these days, but I digress They all made it look like the best thing in the world. So let's look at this propaganda. I mean, uh, unbiased reporting Five years ago NBA superstar LeBron James opened the I promise school in his hometown of Akron, Ohio The goal to give at-risk youth a place to learn and feel supported Okay, good intention about 1,600 students have attended the school, which demands... Attended, not graduated. That its students promise to always do their best and make healthy choices. Not good metrics because you're not measuring them. You can't measure things that are... It's one of the things where, if they wanted to do that, you should have more very specific, articulate metrics, like Timmy's going to lose five pounds of fat by the end of the year. Something like that. Proof of that... Every graduate receives a college scholarship. Okay, that, that sounds great. Great. Phenomenal intentions. Good marketing, that's probably A-plus marketing for that school. So what's the issue? Well, it looks like they're not passing. Now, it looks like in one case, you have a class of students in the 8th graders, they haven't passed a single math test since the group started in 3rd grade. It so that's 5 grades and they haven't passed once, but they keep progressing grades. Which again is not helping them, it's just making them feel good. They're address they're just slapping on a band-aid, they're not actually fixing their learning issues at the moment. And it's gonna kneecap them for years to come. It's a disadvantage, it's a disrespect to the kids not to give them the best education and to lie to them and just keep progressing them throughout the whole learning experience. And just letting the tests fall to the wayside, let metrics follow the wayside. Now, it looks like we have this other video and they go into further analyzing the situation. And they talk about what do they measure? And it's also a good use case similar to when we talk about statistics and you always want to know what's your sample size? What's it? What's it? What's the breakdown by geography, age, gender, religion, everything that goes into different polls and metrics. They start to talk about how the students measured, Now it sounds, again, they, they frame it in a way where it sounds like they're successful. Although at this point, the state is literally looking to intervene because they're doing so poorly. The true test of our We Are Family approach will be when our students take the MAP test. MAP stands for Measures of Academic Progress. Our third graders have to pass the mat test in order for them to move on to fourth grade. Since most of our kids started a year and a half or more below grade level, we have some work to do. They need to make more than one year's growth by March. If you don't pass the test, then A plus for marketing, I can't help but notice that's an eight Hewlett Packard, I think that's a Chromebook. I don't know if they sponsor this, but that is a good place to put it, unless people actually read Listen to the whole coverage, where at the very last minute, they insert a modicum of truth. You just have to stay in third grade, and then you'll do it all over again. That's the last thing that a kid wants to happen to them, is them to get held back. Again, they're appealing to, well, how's a child feel? Again, just like exercise, sometimes the thing that's best for you doesn't feel good. Sometimes it's good to be held back, especially if it's keeping you within your capabilities, and helping you grow, not just slapping on a, a C plus so the kid could pass like some public school teachers do, and I'm sure some private school teachers do as well, it's a disrespect to them. That is that is a very embarrassing thing and it can play with your emotions, it can play with your psych. Facts don't care about your feelings. A prolific quote from a prolific man. Your confidence. Good morning team IPS. We are going to take our last administration of the math assessment. We've been working so hard since the beginning of the year. That day, Michelle FaceTiming. She was like, are you sitting down? She never FaceTimed, by the way. And I was like, oh, no. What happened to one of our kids? Please don't tell me something happened with one of our kids. She was like, our test scores just came back, and our kids just completely destroyed them. Oh, so you know- that one metric. The same kids a few months ago that was like in the lower, lower, lower percentile in everything. What? Yes. So in that metric, they're doing great. This almost seems like a political ad. Yes, this one metric, this one made-up metric, they're doing great. But what, what? have you ever heard of a map score? Uh, no, you haven't because, I mean, countrywide, that's not something that they compare to. It's a good individual metric to work on, but at the end of the day, it's not going to help you get from grade three to grade four. It's just making sure you personally improved. And they later admit this in the coverage. And the school is saying they went from the 26th percentile in the state, and now they're saying in the 90th percentile of their goals. So it's apples to oranges. They're saying they went from the 25th percent of being measured against other schools to 90 percent of measured against themselves. It's uh, that same honest no no of course not they're being like most politicians it's almost like political commercial they're morally vacuous taking advantage of people's lack of intelligence perhaps and we'll have them actually it's straight from the horse's mouth or in this case because the kids might not what a horse is it might be simpler to say free, straight from the donkey's mouth uh, although not to disparage the donkey community they're probably just as intelligent as the horse and community as well although they don't think they do races Students can either make progress in growth or achievement or both. Growth is just that year and a half or more from the beginning of the school year. Achievement is whether they're on grade level. On growth, we were in the 99th percentile. Ooh, they're in the 99th percentile of that one metric that no one really compares on schools to. So in the 99th percentile of growth, that's phenomenal, is it? Well, but achievement on our state report card, we got enough. The overall percentage of students who made their grade-level markers was too low to warrant anything other than an F. She, she's a failure, and she, she doesn't look regretful. You know, we're not there yet. That's that pathetic. An F? And they're still the kids still get pushed up to the next grade? This school is literally doing so bad, even the government is looking at it and go, oh, dear God, we might have to step in. That's how bad this school is doing. And it... It boggles me how many people are more irate about this situation. Because, again, it is a disgusting disservice to the children. The, the emotional rhetoric that you hear every campaign, every commercial, they care about kids. Well, these schools are actively hurting the kids. They're making them dumber. It's a disservice to the local community. Everyone should be irate about this. And it looks like a few organizations, including the NWACP, are starting to take notice as well, as the school is predominantly with them demographic. So i will be interesting to see, does more and more the immediate outlets start to change their coverage of the school? Or do people still wake up the fact that it's actually net negative for the community? Or do they just continue to support it because they have a famous ball player who likes to shoot, I was going to say pig scams, I don't even know what they make footballs out of. My kid, I know LeBron does do the basketballs. But, we'll see if the news coverage maybe shifts, or where they go from here. Time, as I always say, shall tell. Other Fascinating cultural news: You have Megan Rapinoe mocked as she continues to compete the women's soccer team for the global tournament. Now, I know many people not know this, but this past week there actually been competitions where the U.S. women's soccer team is going to compete internationally, and apparently it's even a official FIFA event. Now, she is technically the co-captain of the U.S. women's soccer team, though. Maybe people would say because of her lack, maybe just because she's more mentally or morally vacuous, she shouldn't be the captain at all. She's best known for continuing to just hate the United States, but ironically representing the United States in all these games. She spends more time times on her knees than a woman of the night, some might say, during the national anthem. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disparage uh, her with that haircut or anything. But she's consistently ashamed of the United States, but then goes to compete for the United States. Now... She's actually doing worse than usual, which is saying something because the bar for her performance is pretty low. A group of high school boys actually beat them a couple years ago when they competed, which again is re- reason number 9,995,000. 100 billion billion. Why, there are appropriate reasons to have separate sporting categories for males and females. But, although ironically she doesn't like that, but I digress for a moment. In terms of her performance, they passed the ball to her. She had a clear shot to the goal like less than four meters away, which... That's, I, that's, a, that's disgusting, actually. I, I feel ashamed as an American to say I use that term. Let's say it's about four and a half yards or something like that. Because America, we use yards. Because we have yards. I digress. But she misses it by about 30 feet. So, we, so she's about maybe 4 yards away from that goal. Pretty much a clear line of sight. And she kicks the ball about 30 feet high over the goal. Which, again, every kid plays soccer in the United States is a really popular kids game and some people, adults watch it as well in the United States. Even I never missed by that far when I was young. Which, I will go on the record, I did play soccer as a child, but yeah, when I went to, got to high school, I played, you know, things like wrestling, football, etc. Now, interestingly enough, they're being, the Women's World Cup, they're not doing great. But again, perhaps a good cultural metaphor from our society, they are celebrating mediocrity to its full extent. So earlier in the week you had. The US women's soccer team versus Portugal. And they tied. Zero to zero. Which is again why I would consider soccer not really an adult game. Because in the real world. Adults don't tie. They win or lose appropriately. And ideally if you lose. You take some lessons learned from the situation. Go back home and work like hell. And get better. Improve. Words that I know are foreign to many today. But unfortunately maybe we'll make them, bring them back in fashion. But they she finished this game. And These morons, I mean, uh, soccer players, were celebrating the fact that they tied with a mediocre foot soccer team, or as other countries might say, football, because they call it football. Oddly enough, but they're celebrating that. Now, of course, throughout this whole interaction of competing on the world, the world stage, Megan continues to kneel during the U.S. national anthem, and it seems to be a trend for a lot of athletes in the United States. Why are you? Why she profited she's profiting from representing the United States, but she's ashamed of the country. And in terms she's also one of those people who she thinks that she deserves to be paid the same as a man in terms of the men's soccer team. Physically speaking, no, because she's a loser in terms of physically speaking. Well, also in this game, she's basically a loser because they missed the goal. But the reason men and women make different money, especially in sports, is because of the direct correlation between the teams making money, or in this case, losing money. Billions of people watch the US men's the FIFA US Men's World Cup. Those people not just tune in, so you have the advertising rights where advertisers pay to put their logos on the TV where the eyeballs are glued, but they also have merchandising sales where people are buying the jerseys. You have the drink, the concession stands. Now, for the women's soccer team, you just can't make a lot of money from 12 people going to the game and buying a hot dog. Regardless of how good the profit margins are in a hot dog or a piss water beer in a two cent plastic cup. That's why she's paid less. It has nothing to do with sexism, as she claims. It's about the fiscal performance behind the two different sporting brands. And it's amazing how many people blindly believe her and follow her lack of logic. It's ridiculous. Now, to prove my point, or to further prove this point, usually, again, FIFA, the men's soccer, the World Cup, is one of the most watched sporting events in the world. Billions of people tune into that. It's bigger than the Super Bowl in the United States. That's how big it is. Now, for those tickets, presumably, people are paying through the nose to get those men's tickets. Now, contrast to that, with this latest World Cup matches in New Zealand, FIFA, they just paid to revamp the stadium. So the stadium is great. You can't blame it on you know bad seats or anything like that. They revamped and reconditioned and refurbished a lot of the stadium. But they, they can't sell tickets. FIFA again, one of the most profit-driven organizations on the planet. They basically print money. I mean, they have so much enthusiasm behind men's soccer. FIFA again, even they who love making money, they wouldn't give away a they wouldn't give away a glass of water at a men's sporting t- event because they can sell it for twenty bucks or whatever. In contrast, to that to the women's U.S. Open or the women, oh, I guess that's tennis, for the women's FIFA World Cup matches in New Zealand. FIFA gave away twenty thousand tickets because they can't sell them. Twenty thousand tickets. They literally cannot give them away, and even then, even with a free ticket, people didn't sh- hardly show up. Again, it's all about supply and demand. Which, again, I know public schools have a lot of struggles with, you know, teaching basic things like, like economics or you know health class, but if you have very little demand for a product. The price doesn't matter. People don't want it. The demand is not there. There's more seats than they need. So it'll be interesting to see how many people actually tune in to these events. But it's even more disappointing that someone who considers himself American consistently just says America is the worst place to live, consistently kneels during the anthem, when, again, they're supposed to be representing the United States on a global front, which I would also say is even worse than kneeling during a official U.S.-based soccer game now i know there probably won't be too much backlash because only 78 people around the globe will watch this but still morally speaking culturally speaking is and disgusting that someone who is american continues to profit off the united states while at the same time saying the united states is terrible and the worst place to live again why not go play for the other team sounds like a better idea to me but i digress now other interesting, fun, cultural news, you have the Babylon Bee roasting Megan Rapinoe, which, there, it seems to be a very lean, not, not, not a lot of fat on that. So, it, it, the, the roast would be quite quick, perhaps. No one would want to eat it, of course, but, well, the, the smell alone, oh, jeez, dear God. Now, the Babylon Bee had a couple tweets where they roasted her, some would say epically. There's a lot of material to work with, that being said. Now, the first tweet had Megan Rapinoe, with her signature, pur- wait, I thought her hair was blue. Now it's purple in this picture. Maybe it's like an old mood ring where it changes with her anger. Billion dollar patent right there. Get that hair company or that hairspray to do that. Now, this one has her sitting in a bed with her little, little dream, and in the dream it has her with the American flag on her. And the caption from the Babylon Bee says, Megan Rapinoe has nightmare of winning a medal and having to hear the U.S. anthem play. And in bed she's you know screaming in ang- anguish. Which is hilarious because that's the most ironic thing because if she does win, she'll have to go through an experience she doesn't want. Perhaps that's the real reason she's playing some, with such a high level of mediocrity. Because she doesn't really want to win. Because if she does win, I'm surprised she actually doesn't burst into flames in her own dream for putting the American flag around her I guess, those are, I guess you would say those are pretty robust shoulders. Um, and of course, this got half a million views and 15.5 thousand likes. And the responses were even perhaps even more entertaining. The top response, one of them was, "Well, her performance today will go a long way in avoiding that outcome." Which that one has gotten about 2,000 views and 37 likes. So pretty good burn from Babylon B. Now, secondly, they had another tweet because again, there is a lot of material. And this tweet, the first tweet, again, well, at least statistically, the first tweet in the first 12 hours, it got 425,000 views and 12.3 thousand likes. Now the second tweet within 11 hours got a million views and 18,000 likes, which is a huge achievement in and of itself to hit a million views. Now this one has the rest of the team holding their hand over their heart. Now perhaps Megan doesn't have a heart, which is why she can't put her hand over it. Presumably she'd be searching all day. Like, where's the pulse? I am machine. Allegedly, she might be a Terminator. Now, well, I guess the Terminator might have better personality. I digress. Now, this tweet from again from Babylon B says, "quote Inspiring the women U.S. women's soccer team to boycott scoring until racism is defeated." Unquote, which is also hilarious because that's one of many causes. Which again, in the United States, there are certain things we defeated decades ago. In my opinion, which is why I kind of think and still believe to this day, most people in the United States believe all men are created equal, judge a man by the merits of what he does, not what he is. Now. That tweet from the Babylon Bee, the top response to that says, quote, Why don't they check their privilege and step down and let a women of the other colors be on the team? That got 5,775 views and 48 likes. Quite the ratio. And, of course, the other response tweets are even better. Another one says, "Both their fa- Both their fans are complaining about the lack of trigger warning in this announcement. Which, again, is a Hilariously pejorative term you hear, trigger warning, where people actually, shows how culturally and mentally unstable some Americans are, where they need a warning before they see a video or a message or something, where the context even isn't even that much, it's not worth war- warning them of. It's not like a movie where there's a warning to say it's inappropriate for a child. These are apparently, well, I should say allegedly, I would say mentally, perhaps not, but full grown adults who believe they need a trigger warning before they see a statement or a image. A phenomenon in the United States in and of itself, which I find perplexing and, well, just quite, quite frankly, ridiculous beyond all belief. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Eric Adams asking Biden to close the border. Now, will he be labeled a racist, as every single Republican has been for asking for a modicum of border support? Well, probably not because he's politically on the left and usually mm, you don't see a lot of backlash or any critique at all except for a couple of the non-mainstream entities and news outlets and independent reporting. The other reason to click that subscribe button. I hear a lot. We always like to cover both sides, of the political aisle and there's a lot of material there. Cause they both make many, many mistakes now specifically New York mayor, Eric Adams, who is a Democrat for years is actually bragged about what they used to call sanctuary states where they would encourage people to illegally cross the border. They said, Hey, if you come to our state, not only will we not prosecute for you for breaking the federal law, but we'll also reward you with a myriad of incentives. Needless to say, my family didn't get any of those when they came over from Cuba decades ago, but I digress. They worked like hell and they're all, I would say, sexually successful, both morally as well as fiscally speaking, and again, they are a great net benefit, net benefit to society, and they came here through the proper channels. Something that, if you even if you even whisper, you are immediately called a racist, where there is no double standard. Many people have probably that, including myself, believe that standard should apply to every country or everyone who wants to come here. Go through your proper channels so everyone gets an equal opportunity to enter the United States. But, back to his political blunder. Now, Eric has actually warned that there's, quote, no more room, unquote, in the city for the border crossers and illegal aliens. Now, I'm actually surprised to get canceled for saying that term in and of itself, as many people actually consider illegal aliens a pejorative term. Some people actually say it's a racist term, although from a political and a legal perspective, it is a legal term as well, first and foremost, I would argue. Now, interestingly enough, they're saying that since the spring of last year, more than 90,000 people have crossed the border illegally and arrived in New York City under Adams' control. And they actually incentivized this in the beginning. They have a migrate hotel um, dedication or program in which thousands have been put into a luxury hotel, such as the Roosevelt Hotel, for free. But of course, because again, as with pretty much anything in the universe, there are finite limitations to everything. And the hotels, they don't have any more space. And now the overflow, and unfortunately, again, this is why you need, I would argue, well, many people would argue, but that's why you need checks and balances for immigration. If you don't have the facilities set up to accept them or to process them, you're going to have chaos. Which in this case, New York is out of having migrants live on the streets. As opposed to having them in that hotel or having them through the proper channels where they could get public, get the appropriate commendation for their situation. And when he further asked for comment, he said, quote, we need to control the border. We need to call a state of emergency. And we need to properly fund this national crisis. He, unquote. Now, Mr. Adams also suggests that the future of New Yorkers is grim. Well, that's, that's partially, well, that is mainly because of political reasons. There's a reason most businesses do not relocate to New York City, as it's not cohesive in any way because of their high-period taxes, both personally and for business. And he says the city is grim. Well, perhaps more accurately, more accurately we'll say it's grimmer than usual. And he says there's no signs... Of showing that the migrant surge in the city will end anytime soon uh, well that's unquote well that's also because you've incentivized it for decades literally and they're saying it i remember where republicans say they need help at the border you especially see this with the southern states where you have political leaders down there the people in the north on average they call them the most pejorative terms possible they call them racist they're evil which is kind of a cliche copy paste you have the cliche democrat versus republican republicans say democrats are un-american a, They have Democrats say Republicans, you know, hate immigrants or they're evil. It's almost like for every topic, whether it be voting or the Second Amendment or you have extra policies or incentives or public programs, it's like the other side just is so lazy. They just copy paste, copy paste. Now, of course, Republicans, they're not going. I haven't seen a single one call out Eric Adams on his ridiculous hypocrisy. They should because that's what the left do. You, you would think Republicans would do more in regards to the politics of just calling out your opponents when they blatantly do the thing that they blame you for doing, which is a theme many times in political news. But I haven't seen any major backlashes. You've seen a couple independent reporters who are noting this hypocrisy, but you're not going to see us on CNN, which again is a good reason to look at all the different news outlets because it gives you a more rounded perspective. And whether it's a business studying another business or a politician studying another politician a brilliant warrior once said know thy enemy which is certainly a good idea to have now other interesting political news you have the 5th circuit court rules on the ATF braces now you might remember this topic because it is it's a big topic because overnight it made 10 to 40 million Americans felons and many times depending on the charges you could lose your right to vote it said i believe is a it's, it would reclassify the the doc, the uh, actual item so it meant your Going against the National Firearms Act of 1934, which means 10 years in prison, $250,000 fine. Unless you're you know, Hunter Biden, you could lie in a 4473 and illegally procure a firearm. It's something that would actually land you or I in jail for 15 years, he got off scot-free. But again, political privilege, that's a real privilege known as very few are actually bringing up to the forefront and talking about. But I digress. In this case, you had millions of Americans purchase this piece of plastic, which... It was a brace that you put on a rifle or in many cases an ar-15 pistol variant you would take it and it looks just like a stock but instead of being a solid stock it'd have a little almost like a little u-shape where it'd go around your arm and the velcro would strap it to your arm invented and patented by a u.s veteran and it was for service disabled service disabled veterans to safely shoot an ar-15 since it is more controllable and many of them unfortunately have lost a arm in the line of duty that was the original patent and when this was submitted to the ATF for its design, they wanted to make sure that this did not redefine the AR-15 pistol as a rifle. To make an AR-15 pistol, again, when I say pistol, it's regarded by the barrel length. If it's under 16 inches, is legally considered a pistol. If you put a stock on an AR-15 pistol without the proper paperwork to reclassify it as a short barrel rifle, also known, a, known as an SBR, you're in violation of the 1934 Firearms Act. Which, I would say, is un-American, unpatriotic, and an against the Second Amendment, but the argument shall be argued a little bit more, but... In terms of the nuances, to get the NFA item, you have to pay a $200 tax stamp, which, thank God, was not adjusted for inflation when the law was passed in 1934. The calculation, $200 back then, is equivalent to about $4,200 now. So you have to pay a $200 tax stamp. You have to pay the sales tax, because, of course, more taxes. You also have to then have an additional, more scrutinized background check. that includes a photo ID in the application, as well as fingerprints. And you have usually you have to buy it through a trust or if you buy an individual, there's other stipulations to go around as well. It's a much more higher burden of a process as opposed to just going to start and buying a gun where you figure you go there, give them your ID, you go through the NIC system, which, you know, they instantly check your background check. And you have to, also have to go through a federal document known as a 4473, which is think of as a job application to buy a gun where you list all your information, you... You actually, under oath of federal prosecution, you say you're not addicted to illicit substances, which Biden said he was, but, and of course, in his biography, he was dumb enough to say he actually, oh no, he actually, he was addicted to those, thereby lying on a 4373. And again, he should have got 15 years in jail, but he is off the hook. We, of of course, we did it. We get 15, probably 20 years based on political persecution these days. Now, it came through that millions, an estimated 10 to 40 million Americans purchased the AR-15 pistol brace. And again, the ATF signed off on the product when it was developed. They submitted it to the ATF. They said, nope, this does not reclassify the firearm as a short barreled rifle. You can go home, buy it, have a great day. Everyone bought it. And then, of course, the ATF, like a child, they go, eh, we're going to redefine it. So they redefined it, saying this is, in fact, putting this on an AR-15 pistol reclassifies it as a short barreled rifle. Therefore, Making it part of the NFA, therefore, under the more scrutiny and regulation. Now, many would argue that the ATF actually isn't supposed to make any laws; they are simply there to enforce them. But they have a murky track record—not only killing dogs when they actually, you know, go to your house and they have a protocol for that—but oh, and you know, taking innocent people's lives at like Ruby Ridge. But they also—they're supposed to stay within their board, their borders of actual operation. They don't, but they. Decided, oh yeah, we're going to reclassify this. If you don't turn this in at the end of the month, you will be considered in violation of the NFA. we are going to arrest, you know, you have all those consequences against you. Now, thankfully, many gun rights advocates and people who probably get the Second Amendment and Bill of Rights, they filed lawsuits against the ATF and the court battle began. Now, again, my personal belief is everyone should have the right to purchase this product. In terms of my legal advice, I would say it's not prudent to purchase because of all the legal ambiguities. That's why my personal opinion, I did not buy the product because... There's a kept scap- there's a lot of speculation even when it came out that eventually there's going to be some back and forth with the ATF because they have a track record of doing that, and my personal but that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents for my opinion, but forty-year hyperinflation. I should really charge four cents, but I'm a generous man. Just a just a mere two cents or three cents for this pain today. But interestingly enough, this finally got to the fifth the fifth the fifth circuit rule court. And they ruled that uh via mark v garland that the atf pistol brace case that the court found that the atf rule on the braces was invalid and thereby ruled against the atf so again this is a very fluid situation it's changing rapidly but with the situation and the information we have now it appears that you do not need to at prior either destroy the product or give it to a friend who did not have a gun to complete the merging of the r15 pistol with the stock that was the more latter interpretation of the situation, how to best appropriately handle it. Now, I'm still skeptical because again, what if this goes for another appeal and they try to overturn this ruling? So I believe eventually, it will eventually have to make it to the Supreme Court. And that's how these cases actually, usually always, I just say usually, that's how the court system works. You start locally, you challenge it, you go up, 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 up the chain, eventually it makes it to the Supreme Court. Again, because this does not change the firing mechanism or the fire control group of the firearm and the ATF approved it when it first came out and you're not supposed to, actually it's illegal, I believe it's a, it is actually illegal to take someone's property without due process, which again, they were de facto doing that because if you don't give it, you either turn it into the local police department or you don't register, it, then you're in violation of the National Firearm Act in 1934 and you would subsequently be prosecuted with a 10-year in prison and $250,000 fine. So that's a de facto taking away your property without due process. You paid for that product, which was at the time legal, and then they wanted to subsequently de facto take it away. So there are a lot of re- legal precedents, legal theories of what will go ha- happen next, but it is nice to see, even if it's a temporary, a win for the Bill of Rights and the Second Amendment. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, we have Peloton telling people to stop using the right bikes, but keep paying for them. Now, this... It's currently coming from the company announcing that they have a recall of 2 million bikes and specifically it's the original model. Now, the reason behind this recall is there's a this is due to a seat post that could quote break unexpectedly during use, thereby creating fall and injury risk," unquote. And they are offering a free replacement post. Now, I don't know if this is a Manufacturing defect, where the welds weren't perfect, or the seat wasn't perfect, or if Americans are just too big and they didn't take that into account. But it sounds like, with the given information of them saying this is a seat post, and obviously it's pretty it's a pretty important part of the bike that's where you sit. Obviously, that seems to be an integral part of the machine. You probably shouldn't use it because, unless you bike exclusively standing up, most people they have the potential to hurt themselves because they're sitting on the seat post the seat post connected to the seat piece. I don't know if that draws anyone down memory lane of the elbows connected to the I digress. Now, in terms of the sample size of the actual people who have been injured, thankfully, no one has died from this incident. And it looks like, according to the authorities, only 35 reports have come from this part failure, and this only resulted in 13 relatively minor injuries. So thankfully, no one's been hurt from this situation and it's not a life or death situation right now. Now, a lot of customers are starting to reach out to Peloton asking, well, it, it, it sounds like I'm not supposed to use this product. They're sending you a free replacement part, but in its current configuration, it doesn't seem like a prudent thing to do. Can I cancel my membership or do I have to still pay for my monthly membership? Which of course is how these companies really make their money is their monthly reoccurring revenue. Now, again, this is from uh, I believe it's a chat box or customer support. And the customer asks, quote, Are we uh, stuck paying for the product I can't use? Unquote. Which, given the circumstances, seems like a pretty reasonable question to ask. You're paying for something and it sounds like you're not supposed to. Now, the Peloton agent responded saying, quote, We apologize about that, but yes, as of this moment. Now, again, this isn't the CEO of Peloton saying this. This might not be their official policy. And the company does, you know, for the record, they do allow you, I believe, to pause your account for three months I don't know if that's because you're going on vacation or personal reasons, what have you, but to have such a big recall, and again, they are a massively publicly traded company, for them not to have more of an uh, official briefing to tell your employees and official messaging to the customers, especially because this might cause the product to break and might have more injuries. That seems to be almost like a dual factor for a business blunder of the day. Now, I want to especially thank everyone for taking the time to tune in. We're trying to get to 3000 subscribers by the end of August, so I greatly appreciate you taking the time to click that subscribe button. Every time you do that, you help the channel grow and develop and be able to get more resources to increase our capabilities for the software. So you maybe put some pictures up as we try to make them better and better. Also, don't forget to take the time to like and actually comment on the video. The feedback has also made the show a lot better. And so finally, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, Just stay safe and fight the good fight.